Hello and welcome to JudgeCast. This is episode 211. My name is Brian Perlman. I am one of your hosts this fine evening. I am joined by Jess Dunks. Hi, this is Jess. And Broken King. Greetings. And, you know, we we had a lot of uh, a pre-show banter about <laughs> uh, a, a particular confection um, that has that has made me uh, a, a little hungry. So I'm, I'm I'm sitting here with with uh, with Reese's Pieces, which are Brian, uh, no, what? no, which are a superior confection. I'm pretty thing. sure it's Reese's Pieces. I am in agreement with Jess here. Not Reese's Pieces. <laughs> it's definitely not it is, Reese's. It pieces. belongs to Reese. They are pieces <laughs> <laughs> belonging to. Okay, we need. To, we just need to realize that that I don't want to eat pieces of a person. I belong to. They're not pieces of. What? I I would just <laughs> like. I would just like to say, the, the Reese's Pieces. Yes. Ugh. <laughs> All right. So, so we, we've got moving a, on. Yes. So, so normally we do things like rules, or uh, uh, you know, uh, go into deep, uh, go into depth on a policy update, or perhaps have a guest on to talk about uh, you know leading sides at a GP. Um, this time we're doing something that we we don't do very very often because we kind of like to cast. Candy cast. It's nothing but confections. This episode, we're going to be talking about uh, those little powdered date balls that that uh, your mom makes <laughs> the, that everyone's Christmas time. aunt makes. Right? They might have powdered sugar on them. They might have coconut. But um, you know, yeah. The tech is you put them in the freezer and you freeze them so that you can have them back in like March or April or whatever when you. No, no, no. None of that. Um, what we're going to do is in the in the last two weeks, a surprising amount of news has come out um, for various specifically things. judge news, judge news. You know, think things that impact judges. So we're going to talk about news and some changes that are coming up uh, to mm-hmm. organize play that impact uh, judges, and then uh, we'll talk about some policy changes that that came out last week towards the end. Mm-hmm. We're going to be JNN, the Judge News Network. Dun, 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 dun. Ooh, we need we need after last week's very very good um our last episode's very good audio editing from Jess on <laughs> Brian's uh announcement voice, announcement voice. We, we need a we need a we need a news intro sound like a like a little jingle leading into our newscast <laughs> we need, no, we we need, need someone that. that talks in like that that what is it that was it transatlantic is it, is is that the oh that accent right. the old timey like newscaster like and here we of, see and here we see Brogan with the news take it away Brogan you know yes well we needed we needed someone with that accent and here we go we got it it happened jeez yeah magic news that's what we're here for this this week there's just been a whole. A lot of yeah. stuff going uh, on. I'm, I'm envisioning like the the newscaster voice from like a league of their own. You know when they were doing. Oh, I love that movie. That's a really good movie. All right, but this is not reminisce <laughs> about good movie cast. Oh, there's might... plenty. There's plenty of podcasts for that. Right <laughs> there are. Um, so this uh, last week on October first, uh, there were several announcements. One of those an- announcements is uh, that. We have new regional coordinators uh, that started on October 1st. 
some new regional coordinators. To be some clear, new regional we, we haven't just replaced all the regional coordinators. It's it's not how that works. Well, we just took some, them out some back. New, and, some whoa now. Ugh. So whoa now. the way the way the way uh, regional coordinators work is it's a it's a two year it's a two year gig. Okay, and half of and it's set up so that half of the regional coordinators their their term, as it were, ends uh, each year. So it's it's you know half 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 uh, so on. So um, it's a it's an application process where uh, level threes can apply, and then um, uh, or in region level threes and out of region level threes can apply, and L twos can also apply if no in region uh, L threes apply. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was what is this? This looks like fifteen ish. Uh, RCs uh, were up for uh, a renewal or or sixteen. From 16. what I just counted. Okay. Yep. Well, not necessarily renewal, but this is also it gives an opportunity to rotate because prior to new New World Order, uh, RC was kind of an appointment for life. Yeah, you kind of just did it until you didn't want to do it anymore. Right. Right. Or until you were not able to do yeah. it anymore. Or, or sometimes you kept doing it even after you didn't want to do it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. But now that's not a thing anymore. So we have um, we have eleven returning RCs, and we have uh, five new RCs. Uh, we have uh, for uh, the, the what is it? Belgium, Netherlands, Luxembourg. Is that? Mm-hmm. Uh, we have Niels v- Vane. Vane. I. Do, I have not met this person, and yep. I do not know how to pronounce their name, unfortunately. Right. Well, then you get to announce the new RC of Europe East. I don't know how to pronounce their last I'm, name either. I'm pretty sure it's Yuval Sir. Yes. Yuval, Yuval, uh, congratulations. Uh, for the USA Central region, we have a Mr. Eric Levine. Eric Levine has yeah. been a guest of the show. He has. Um... Then we have from the USA Northeast region, we have Megan Lynn Scott. Congratulations, Congratulations Megan. Megan. I don't think she's been on the show, but uh, I could foresee a universe in which she would be. She's been in spirit. I, I feel like <laughs> if she was on the show, we would just have to make a lot of Golgari jokes all the time. Yeah. And probably jokes about living in Maine. And Do they, do uh, they tell we jokes have... about living in Maine? Ooh. I think the joke itself is. Oh, I got it, got it, got it. Yes. Um, and and then there was one more new regional coordinator. Ah, oh, someone else who has been on the show. Someone else who's been on the show. It's um, my regional coordinator, oh. Eric Dustin Brown. Eric Dustin Brown has also been on the show and is the new regional coordinator from the Mid Atlantic. Congratulations, yeah. Eric. Yes. So congratulations to new uh, to all the the new RCs and returning RCs. Yeah, if we if if you are a returning RC or you have a returning RC, you yeah. you matter too. <laughs> so we didn't want to make it a long list. Yeah. Well, it's, it's mostly just that going through every single name would take a very long time. But you can add, get the list of all new and returning RCs on the Magic Judges blog uh-huh. if you would like to check them out. One one thing that I was really impressed with when looking at this was so there's there's a, a 
selection committee. Like they go through the, the regional coordinators who are applying have to answer a series of questions and those questions get evaluated. There were 25 judges on this selection committee. That's so many. That's a lot. And I, I f- imagine that it's not every single person looks at every single application for every single region. I imagine that it was um, like breaking it down and different people looked at different subsets of. I don't well, know not, not exactly that. how that works. I think, I think having somebody on to talk about how that works at some point might be a pretty good idea. Yeah, that would be, that would be, that'd be a really good. Now here's, here's another thing. So there were 16, uh, RCs on this list. Now some, some regions had multiple RCs apply and then there were 25 judges on this list as well. So there was 50 judges involved in this process. And, uh, so many, that's a lot. It's a lot of very like, like strong judges as well. Like there are a lot of very intelligent people involved in that whole process. Yup. So, uh, so yeah, so there was also an announcement for, uh, the Grand Prix head judge lead was selected. Uh, so that's going to be, uh, Kevin Dupre is returning, uh, is, has been reconfirmed in his, uh, GP head judge lead role. That was also announced. We, All right. We so, also uh, have, uh, we also have a new program coordinator. Oh, I think Brian was just going to just brush right by that. This totally irrelevant thing. Uh, the, the, the newest program coordinator for the judge program, which is a very small group, um, is Brian Prilliman. Oh, I know that guy. Congratulations. Oh. I didn't He's even know you were all three. guest on this show. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations, Brian. Uh, thank you. Uh, yeah. Uh, Brian's also been a guest host on this show before. Yes, you have. <laughs> yeah, yes, Brian's have. a friend of the show. Uh, He's been on the show. Friend of the show. Friend of the show. Yeah. Friends of Judge Cast. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 And, uh, you know, maybe we should have Brian on to talk about uh, what it's like to be a PC at some point. Should uh, we have someone else on to talk about what it's like to be a Mac? <laughs> that I'm would sorry. Be no, that would no, be so- great. In, in fact... I, I really, really want to make a parody commercial where Brian's just in front of a white screen being like, hi, I'm Brian, and I'm a PC. And then you switch over to somebody who's just, hi, I'm so-and-so, and I'm a Mac. Oh, I'm a Mac. <laughs> Great. And they're just super edgy. So I have to be like the, the, the stuffy one, and the, the Mac has to be like more hip and with uh, it than me. I mean, that won't be hard. It has to have a skateboard. Oh, they can have a skateboard. Yeah, so um, for for people that don't necessarily know, like the, the GP head judge lead role that's kind of well defined uh or or at least you can you can infer pretty hard what they do there there are reasonably defined responsibilities and and regional coordinators are the judge that most judges are familiar with they're 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 the ones that interact and share information with them that's that's relevant to to their region uh program coordinators are there's only a group of five of them um and what they what they do is kind of set like the strategic vision for where the pro where the program wants to go. And we find resources to, to, to work on areas that the program needs to work on. So like if, for example, um, you know, one of, one of, one of the examples I'll, I'll throw this out here is as one that doesn't actually exist, but conference attendance is down. So we would, 
work with the conference spheres to figure out how to encourage more conferences. Uh, to be uh, clear, you're saying that lines. that problem isn't a real problem. You're just making something. I'm making I'm making up a, a hypothetical problem. Like I don't want to. So come let's up with a, let's with a, say conference attendance real... is down. We'll, okay. Yes. We're we're it's this is a, a, a hypothetical scenario in a world where conference attendance is down. So so this is actually this is actually a, a legit concern that I've had where you know. I've got a PC hat, you know, I can put a PC hat on and if I say something, then people might actually be, oh no, this is, you know, one of the program coordinators saying something. Uh-huh. Um, and I, I don't want to give that impression. Like I, I very, right. very clearly is when I'm on this show, I'm Brian. And if I need to put the program coordinator hat on, I will, uh, but I'll make it very, very clear. So if I'm, you know, guessing or speculating or just, you know, saying whatever that's that's not you know official from the program anything like that what brian is saying is sometimes brian's gonna brian <laughs> yeah <laughs> I'm a, and I'm, and that's and that's okay brian's gonna brian uh yes but but program program coordinators work with the various sphere leaders to kind of guide the direction of the program set things like level definitions uh set things uh goals, milestones, stuff like that. Uh, and try and basically, one, if you think of problems as, as like rocks, one of our jobs is to identify what the big rocks are and try and move them out of the way. I was, I was here thinking of it as like steering a really, really big ship. Yes, that too. Um, so uh, probably we've talked about this way too much. And if you know, the other hosts want to have an episode on where we talk about more about what the, you know, program coordinators do and what the sphere leaders do. We can have that. But uh, uh, they made some changes, announcements to to organize play that we want to talk about. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, in addition to all of the uh, the judge specific stuff, as far as new leadership roles or new people in those roles, uh, there's additional in general magic organized play stuff just slapped on top of that just just slapped on we can can fit so many organized play changes in this uh (laughs) (laughs) this can fit so many updates all right so uh so uh so we're gonna announce that we're gonna um announce the changes to organized play and then next episode we're actually gonna talk about what those changes are (laughs) Ooh. Brian really has an axe to grind with announcing that you're going to announce something. It's called I, building I, I, hype, Brian. I was I was about to say the same thing, Jess. It's so, you just gotta you just gotta build the hype. Yeah. You gotta it's let so, tensions rise. You, so like obnoxious. like the problem isn't when you say I'm going to announce X. It's when you say when you set a time to announce something and then at that announcement announce that you're going to announce X. That's that's a problem. That, yeah. When you're like, thanks yeah. for coming into this you, you announcement. You build the hype and then... Let me tell you what I'm going to say. Real stuff. Uh, yeah. Which is kind of... I felt like what Wizards of the Coast did a little bit. Like, they, they announced little bits at a time. But because there was a specific thing I wanted to know about, which was the GP schedule, every time they announced something mm-hmm. that wasn't the GP schedule, it just made me feel very <laughs> let down. <laughs> Was the worst. Uh, and I'm sure people felt that way about other stuff, too. Uh, so, so um, you know, I, I get where you're coming from, but I also get where they're coming from with, like, trying to build hype. I didn't feel hype, but I get it. 
I, I don't I don't like I especially don't like when they when they make an announcement that people are going to have questions about, and then they immediately say, "Well, more information on that on that later." It's like no 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 you built up <laughs> you built up the hype you set the schedule you set the timeline you provide the information that people need because <laughs> you. Because you hyped up something and then you didn't really deliver on it all the way, right. and you knowingly right. did this, and and now what you did was is you just served up an opportunity to hype later that you're going to announce the thing you didn't announce in the last announcement. You must understand that there will be questions here. Yes, and then in two weeks they're going to say, "Hey, remember those questions that you had in two weeks? Well, we're going to answer them in two, in two weeks." weeks. And I just want to, I want to just say magic festers. <laughs> All right. So that that leads so. us into the first, uh, the first one of the first changes we want to talk about. Um, oh, I did jump a night. Yeah, it was good. That, oh, no, it was good. It was great. Uh, so so uh, the Grand Prix schedule has been announced, except. It's not the Grand Prix schedule with a twist. What? It's plot twist it's an m night Shyamalan plot twist uh it's it's an m19 it's plot an m19 wait, the village is actually are, are gps actually mm. just in the woods the some of them yeah i mean oh <laughs> i've been to some gps let me tell you suburbs. what <laughs> um <laughs> so uh the gp schedule is out uh it's actually called magic fest now now they're not changing the name of the Grand Prix Tournament Series. That's an important thing here. They're doing something called Magic Fest, at which they will have Grand Prix Tournaments. But they're drawing the focus away from Grand Prix Tournaments and drawing more focus to the other stuff that happens at what they're now calling a Magic Fest. So, uh, for example, there are a lot of artists there. There are a lot of side events to participate in. There are a lot of cosplayers that show up. Uh, there are vendors who, who you can buy stuff from. And uh, I think they're trying to draw more attention to those things uh, and put less focus on the big yep. main event. We have spent a fair amount of time um, before in other episodes talking about how the GP is more than just the GP main event as far as from a judging perspective. There's also side events. There's a lot going on that isn't just right. the Grand Prix main event so, and that I think Wizards is trying to focus that as well. And and that's uh so so the way we're going to talk about it moving forward is that Magic Fest is a thing that happens many many times a year and Grand Prix or Grand Prix as they want it to be called, sorry, are uh <laughs> are events that happen at Magic Fest. But wait, there's more. Oh. In addition good. to Grand Prix happening at Magic Fest. Pro Tours will also happen at Magic Fest. 40 Pro Tours a year? Awesome. Jo no, no, just six. Just every, six. Wait. Every Magic no. Fest? Um, I, oh. I, I, I do think, so I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say two things here. First of all, I am a huge fan of taking the focus and putting it on the whole event and not just the Grand Prix tournament. I'm a huge That's, fan of yes. that. Uh, it's a great super, thing. Super agree. I am in no way a fan of the name Magic Fest. Uh, oh, I, no. I don't think it's specific to magic. Uh, it sounds silly, although I get used to saying it. And everybody abbreviates GP already, constantly calls Grand Prix GP. 
they're going to yeah. do the same thing with Magic Fest. Already do. Yeah. So you go to, you know, we're going to, we're going to say, oh, did you? I got to go to MF Richmond. Yeah, I got to go to MF Richmond, uh, which, you know, you might not think anything of, but some people will think that, that, uh, that might be mm-hmm. an acronym for something a little bit explicit. So when you say you're. Right. If I have to explain to my boss why I'm taking my time off from work. Going to the MFGP, <laughs> man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. MF Oakland. Uh, um, and, and, uh, you know, they're going to be, uh, they're going to be, th- you know, I, I definitely have a, a Path of Exile character already named, uh, MFPT Judge. So, uh, Jess logged in with that character so- earlier and I lost it. It was very funny. <laughs> so, so I saw, it was very good. I saw someone suggest online, so just call it like Magic Fest Weekend. And then the abbreviation would be, my face win. Yes. You know, in, in a oh, W. <laughs> my face win, Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> my face will protrude. <laughs> oh, very yeah. good. So, so one of the, go, going back to the, the, the pro tour. So I only worked, um, one, one pro tour under when it was open. And what I mean by open was they had sides there. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had they had uh, they had the pro tour event, and then they had another uh, uh, organizer running running side events, mm-hmm. and they they discontinued that. Now the pro tour is just its own standalone thing. But man, the the energy at that event mm-hmm. was so much different from the pro tours now because you had there were just so many more people. You know, you had you had buddies of 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 the the pros that were there play you know going over and playing and and uh if you if they scrubbed out they'd go over there and they'd have just a great time and people would come in to to spectate and watch and it just had a whole different energy to it uh so i'm really excited to see what they do in that regard it's going to be great in that regard i'm i'm very excited about it um i'm a little concerned about the some staffing implications uh you know there was one event uh where they tried this and 2010, I think, uh, they had uh, what they called Magic Weekend uh, Paris, where they had the Pro Tour and a Grand Prix side by side at the same event at the same time. Uh, and that caused some problems, uh, which I hope they're keeping in mind while they do this. Uh, one of those problems was that someone managed to top eight both events. Uh, and uh, that... Well- well, they ran the Pro Tour. They, they didn't actually run them, like, <laughs> exactly at the same time. They weren't run. So you could play in both. And, okay. And somebody who played in both. He wasn't just double He wasn't queuing. just double queuing. No, like, he was designed so you could play in both. But but they, they uh, Paul, yep. Paul Reitzel, uh, he top-aided both events. So they ended up having to hold matches of the top eight in each event so that he could play his top eight in both because they were trying to do them concurrently. And, oh. and they weren't going to be like... No, sorry, you have to pick a top eight. Uh, so huh. there was awkwardness there. Now I don't think I'm going to run into that exact problem, but it's that's so incredibly unlikely to happen. But it's still just a perfect storm of terrible. Right. Right. Uh, it, the, you also mentioned staffing, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the the other staffing issue is um, th- there are only so many judges that are. Uh, capable of filling uh roles at grand prix especially the more the roles that are filled with more experienced people and those people only have so many weekends to give to events and what that means is that on a weekend where you need 
a lot more of them because you're also having a pro tour at the same time, uh, that that's going to become a more strained event from a mm-hmm. staffing perspective. And one of the concerns I have about that is that, that, that we just won't have enough people, uh, available on those weekends. And not that they won't. It requires a, a very high density of very good judges right. simultaneously. Exactly. It's, it's not that I'm saying I think they'll have bad judges show up. It's not that I'm saying I think they won't, you know, pay them enough or anything like that. Just I don't know if enough people are going to be available to do what they want them to do on those weekends. Right. The, the other thing that's, that's interesting is, uh, you know, who, who pays in, in that regard? Like if you're working a pro tour, that's, that's a different contract than if, uh, if it's a, a Grand Prix or a Magic Fest, you know, or wh- whatever. So that, that creates a, a, a situation there where it's like, well, I might be able to apply, I might be able to apply to the pro tour, but I can't afford to go to the GP. Right. What does the application process look like? Uh-huh. And they haven't they haven't put that. any information out about that. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows. Yeah, that'll create some serious feel bads if they pay you more to go judge a pro tour. Right right now, for some context, if you judge a pro tour, you're gonna be a lot better off uh from a what do I gain out of this perspective than you are judging a GP. Um usually. Um it obviously depends on distance right. and whatnot. But like um but Yeah. But, we also uh, did not specify this yet, I don't think, but there's going to be six pro tours. So this is going to come up. Yeah, that's that's an increase. Yep. A higher density. Yeah, it used to be four. Now there are six. Um, and so what you end up with is a situation where if somebody is getting paid more to go to the pro tour uh, that is also happening at a GP, you have to be very careful as an organizer to make sure that you're not causing a rift there. By doing something like going, oh, we need some help. Go grab those judges over there to help set up these tables for this event. Because then what you're doing is you're asking a bunch of people who are not getting paid as much to help with this event that they maybe got declined for. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's that's a, that's a very big potential feel bad. So it's a thing I hope that they have in mind while they're staffing this. And if they didn't have it in mind, maybe somebody who is making a decision will hear this and say, oh, that's a thing I should think about. Uh, but it's a thing that I hope they keep in mind. I think from a from a player perspective, it's going to be a lot better. Um, I oh, hope. Yeah. Um, just from a the experience and showmanship and and just, I guess epic epicness of the whole thing will be really cool. Um, but well, here we are looking at all the the practical pieces hmm. of how it's actually going to happen. We we don't even know the answers to most of these questions, which is like one of the reasons that I was kind of hesitant to talk about this, but like you can't not talk about it with everything that's going on. Right. Um, uh, The also, when you qualify, you're going to qualify for the, a pro tour that is in your region. Like that for whatever that means. So I want to clarify two things about that as best I can tell. First of all, I want to clarify, you're talking about qualifying as a player for the, for the pro tour no longer is being a judge accepted at an event. But, but the second thing is, uh, as I understand it, you qualify for a pro tour in the region of the GP that you were playing at or pro tour qualifier you're playing at, not the region you are Mm. in. So if I travel to Japan to, that's the way I read Mm. that. Now that might be different, but if I travel to Japan, the way I read that and I top eight a GP there, 
uh, that would mean I'd queued for the next Asian Pro Tour. Uh, I don't yeah. love that. So it says it says Grand Prix Grand Prix tournaments will generally ge- <laughs> will generally qualify you for a specific Pro Tour in the region in which the Grand Prix was held. Now I could see exceptions to that. What one of the reasons that I think uh, they made this change, and this is totally speculation on my part, but for a lot of Pro Tour invites, they pay the people that are the players that are going. To go, well, they don't actually pay them to go. That's not a fair statement. They pay like for their plane ticket to go to to a pro tour. Um, and I'm thinking if if they, if you only qualify for ones that are uh, in your geo region, then on average they're paying a lot less for those plane tickets. Uh, and yeah. so so I'm wondering if it's related to that, just a, a, a cost saving endeavor. Uh, and if that's the case, that it's very likely that. If I were to fly to Japan and win a pro tour there, that they would be totally fine with sending me to the next pro tour in Atlanta, which is, you know, a 20 minute drive from my house. Um, that's, uh, that they, they'd be much happier with that. You know what I mean? Right. But huh. I don't know. Again, I'm curious to see how that actually yeah. shakes out. It's all speculation. So, right. Basically, everything's speculation because they, they, they put an article out, which I, uh, we can link in the show notes uh-huh. and you'll see that a lot of the information in there is this is TBD. This is TBD. So we're kind of trying to fill in some holes. Um, so, so speaking of filling in holes, uh, the, the path to qualifying for the pro tour. So, so there's six of them now, which means that they're not going to be tied to set releases because we've still only got four sets a year. Um, uh, well, that's and unless you count supplemental product. Like this could also hint at some changes to the way they release product. I can qualify for oh, yeah. commander. Oh yeah, the no. the, the ba- PT battle bond. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that two is GPT. So, yeah. So so they said for for qualifying for the pro tour, there's still going to be pro uh, you know pro club and pro tour finish finish based invites. Uh, details are <laughs> still pending. Stay tuned, true believers. Um, <laughs> Uh, GPs, you know, will qualify you for the next PT in the, in the region tied to that. Um, there's going to be open events, which are like PTQs now at Magic Fest. So there's, there's typically a PTQ on Sundays and I believe they added on Fridays, uh, has been a recent, yeah, a recent change. Those have happened recently right so yep. those are those are open so that's just show up pay your registration fee play and if you if you win um you get one shot pro tour right, get right now, one shot pro tour get that's yeah. some good english right there Brogan. hey i it made sense <laughs> yeah. now the 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 big the big thing from a from a judge impact here is they said in the article that PPTQ, the PPTQ, RPTQ path is going to be discontinued. Bless. I am so happy about that. Uh, So what they're replacing it with is something called invite-only events. Whereas um, if if you go and play at a GP, it's an open PTQ, the winner or winners in some cases who qualify get invites to the pro tour there will be invite only events that will be presumably uh or actually they state in the thing they're going to be typically one day events 
that are going to give a single invite, typically, and they will be run by a premier tournament organizer or well-established WPN stores. Um, so the, but they're invite only. So there's some threshold, which <laughs> theme of the episode will be announced later. Um, so the the hope or the theory is that these are going to be reminiscent of the old school PTQs from. Uh, four, five, six years ago, mm-hmm. only with some sort of qualification, you know, in, in cap like planeswalker points or something like that. Okay. So yeah, and, and I want to I want to say about the threshold thing, the the planeswalker points threshold, that that's not actually a new system. We've had a system like that for the World Magic of Qualifier almost since planeswalker points came about. Um, and so like having a threshold for which you can attend an event, that's not new. Uh, it's just going to be more frequent now. Um, but what I was saying earlier is that there, there was somebody saying that they, they didn't understand why uh, people were so excited about this change because they, they were like, PPTQs is still a fairly new system, but it's not. If you know, We've been doing PPTQs now for four years, and I think at this point we can look at the numbers and, and you know, how many stores are running them and how, many, how much their, how their attendance looks and, and the judges that are available to run them and the issues they're having. I think we can look at all of that and, uh, on a, on a Many, many metrics, we can say the PBTQs are just not a successful and continuously viable thing. And I think Wizards of the Coast looked at it and saw the same thing, and, and now they're changing it to something. Um, it, it was the, the biggest reasons were that it was just not worth it for a lot of stores to do them, um, just based on margins and, and then, and having judges. And then also, there were just so many of them in areas where there are a lot of stores that where there might not be enough judges to work them, especially L2 plus judges to work them on any given weekend, that it mm-hmm. was just such a strain on a lot of judge communities just yeah. trying to to get things staffed. The, the, need, the need for level two judges exploded because of mm-hmm. the, the, the PPTQ system. And one of the, one of the interesting situations is it was easier for a brand new store to get the number of players necessary, you know, to get the WPN qualifications where they could run a PPTQ. It took less time. It takes less time to get a store up to where it can run a PPTQ than it can to get a judge trained up so that they're qualified to run a PPTQ. A recipe. Oh, significantly. Right. Yeah. Significantly. So, so this is for, for, and and I really think that like this particular change right here is, and we're we're calling them PTQs, like old school PTQs, not because we know that that's what they're going to look like, but that's kind of what we hope that they look like. That's the closest baseline right. comparison right. we have. When, when you look as at far a, as what we know now, when you evaluate a new set, you tend to look at cards and and evaluate them within the context of the last time you saw something similar to it. Um, and that's kind of what we're doing here is, oh, large single day events that give a single invite. Well, that looks a lot like a, a, a PTQ of, of days of old. And I'm really excited about this if that's what they end up being because um, what, a P, what a PTQ was, was it was, at least in, in our region, it was a you know, 150 to 250 player event that required somewhere between five to eight floor judges 
which was a great opportunity for judges to get together, to learn from each other, to mentor some new L1s, uh, maybe maybe have an L0 on staff and test them, you know, uh, to have them because there was enough other players to, like, run some side events, too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So these these things were great. And then after you did your nine rounds, everybody went to dinner, you know, you, you weren't by yourself working a, an 18-person PPTQ Right. And, and you weren't on an island for six hours. Right. And so and so with with 200 players or 150 players or, or whatever, you know, there was stuff going on. There was interesting things. There was always a call to shadow or something like that. So I, I feel that when we lost when we lost PTQs and we went to the P, PPTQ system, we lost a whole lot of that that regional mentorship, regional bonding aspect of the judge program. So I'm really excited about it. And, and, a, and a good part of it is, you know, nostalgia for the good old days. But we really got a lot of benefit out of that. And we lost it with, with PPTQ. So I'm hoping that we can reclaim some of that. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. I, I think that, that we're going to see... Uh, a bit of a rough start if, when, when this goes all at once. I'm assuming it's going to go all at once uh, because we're going to have. Uh, so, so here's actually, I don't know what we're going to look like next year as far as these these PTQs go. But I have a request, and that request is for the experienced <laughs> level two judges, for the level three judges who know how to head judge these events, who may be a bit disenfranchised with the PPTQ system. To step up and go head judge some events and go out there and teach people how to run these events because a lot of the judges you're going to be working with haven't run an event uh, that has a staff of maybe two, three judges before. And they need to learn they, how to they do don't it. Have that context because that's yeah. just not something that has existed right. on that level in a while. So, so, you know, for me, I know it's going to be very tempting to just kind of like I don't judge a whole lot of PPTQs myself. Uh, I know a lot of the level two judges in the area that do. Um, the weekends I have to judge, I tend to spend at larger events like Grand Prix. Um, but I'm excited about this new system. And in addition to that, I want to make sure they get run right, run correctly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I can do that by not only going and doing it myself, but also going and teaching other people how to do it. So please, if you have the experience to run an event like this, do it. Go out and run an event. Get get some uh, training done. Get some mentorship yeah. done that we haven't been able to do for the past four years because we only have tiny events. Right. One one of the the things that we did here in this region, and again, your your mileage may vary, but um, you know, P, these these events were run by because we didn't necessarily have L threes in the in in the region at the time, so they were run by the experienced uh, the experienced level two judges, and we kind of had a rotate system. Where, you know, it's, it's again, this is the old PTQ system, but it'd be like, right. all right, Ben did one, then Turner, then Todd did one. Okay, it's Brian's turn. And we just kind of worked it out amongst ourselves. And then if maybe someone was being given their first shot, we would make sure that, you know, one of the, the more experienced judges would, you know, volunteer to to be the you know, the logistics lead or the, the paper lead or something like that, or go to help out and support that person in their head judge role. And it was, it was something that, that, that sprang up very organically. It kind of spread Mm -hmm. the love around and, 
that really worked well for us. Now I know in some other regions they had like there was the one judge that was in good with the 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 yeah. PTO and shut everybody else out, and that was super unfortunate. And I I hope. I really hope that like the whole sense of community and stuff like that, that people will actually, you know, work together to create a, a vibrant community as opposed to someone just saying like, I got mine. Um, so I want to, I want to caveat that a little bit. Um, okay. So first of all, we don't know what these events are going to look like. They, for all we know, they could be capped at 60 players. Uh, in which yes. case we're going to have a different world, but let's assume for a moment that they're going to be, a comparable size to PTQs, you might find yourself in an environment like Brian describes where the one, one person gets to run them all because they're friends with the TO. But you also might find yourself in an environment where one person gets to run them all because, or gets to head judge them all because they're all 300 players and there's only one person who's capable of handling that, that magnitude of event. Um, so like, don't just assume that because, you know, Joe Bob head judges all the tournaments that it's because, well, he must be friends with the organizer. Joe Bob might just be a a very experienced, skilled judge that that organizer relies on because they know they do a good job. Uh, so, like, that's the other side of that coin, right? Yes. Yep. Yeah, I, I, um, agree, I agree with that 100%. Um, and and I, I, I bring that up because from my perspective, you know, when I, when I was head judging PTQs on the other side of the country uh, – in Northern California, the, the largest PTQ that I had judged had 411 players. Oof. And first of all, there are a few reasons that number is bad. And one of them is because 410 is the cutoff for 10 rounds. Uh, <laughs> oh, but, no. Oof. But, you know, that's that's huge. That's a massive event. And there, there were a lot of skilled judges at that event, people I love and still love and work with, that I wouldn't have have wanted in the head judge role. And I myself at that time in that head judge role probably didn't have enough experience to be there. Um, so like, that's another thing too, is being realistic about your expectations. If you've been head judging PPTQs, um, you might be very good at head judging PPTQs. That's not the same skill set as managing a team and judging a large tournament. There, um, there was, there was, uh, one, one fun event. I'll, I'll just, throw this out there as as an example it was a it was a large event several years ago the to uh had an emergency so they were not going to be able to be there so instead what they did was they took all of the supplies to the hotel the night before locked it up in the the manager's room with the message of hey um to to the judges uh hey here's where all the stuff is hmm so Right, right. I don't so, know what the emergency was, but that sounds like a bad actor. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> I see what you did there. Um, so, what we ended up having to do was get a cart and and figure out and make the event, including you know the payment, collecting money, putting up the computers, hooking up the computers, hooking up the printers, like a lot of stuff that you would a expect a store that you've been doing PPTQs already in, um, that those are just there. Um, so there was, there was a whole lot of, of interesting logistical challenges that we had on top of the fact that we had a 200 person event 
to to get on at the same time. And we found all this out, you know, an hour before the event was supposed to start. Oh, yeah, obviously. Obviously. That's, yeah, clearly. <laughs> That's how this goes. Yeah, well, it gets even better when we when we add in the fact that the on-duty man, the, the manager whose office everything was locked in, was the night manager, who had a different office than the day manager, and they didn't have keys to oh, each other's offices. Goodness gracious. Right? So we had to call the night manager <laughs> in to get them to unlock, because that wasn't a thing that they thought of the night before. <laughs> Okay. All right. We have we've talked a lot about yes, PTQs. We have. And what what may or may not be PTQs. I hope. We have talked a lot about qualifying for the program. I'm going to I'm going to keep calling them PPTQs until I see that they're not because I want them to be PTQs so bad. <laughs> All right. What what else is going on outside of qualifying for the pro tour? Uh well, we uh we have a couple of updates to tournament policy. Hmm. They're minor, but we should talk about them. Cool. Um, so, I think we have, like, three updates to tournament policy. Is that... No, we have four, technically. Four. Okay. So, uh, first, uh, in a multi-day tournament, the penalties reset between days of each tournament. That is to say, the upgrade path for penalties. So, if I get two warnings for a missed trigger, uh, on day one... The third warning I get on day one would be upgraded to a game loss. But if I go on to day two of the same tournament, that resets and I, I start back at one. Uh, this is a small change because it used to be between uh, each cut of the tournament. That is to say, we get to a certain round and then we cut to the top whatever um, for the next section of the tournament. Uh, that's no longer the case. And that's functionally that's good at Grand Prix that where there's a cut before the last round of the day because then we don't have this weird like okay it's time for round nine everybody's everybody's warnings reset uh, and yep. then the next day when somebody gets a warning you're like did you get a warning in round nine yesterday uh, yeah do you remember if you got any warnings at the in the final round I think I got one do you know what it was uh yeah uh, it, this is just a little cleaner. It's, it's a bit of a cleanup thing. Um, other than that, we have a small change to the partial fixes or the default fixes in the IPG. Uh, previously, they could only be applied so if partial go fixes ahead. for game rule violations. Yes, GRVs so it has a partial fi- GRVs has a list of four or five partial fixes. Um, that that yeah, I should have clarified that. Okay. Um, it has a list of partial fixes that you could do. Uh, for example, uh, if something went to the wrong zone while changing zones, you could just put it in the right zone. So, like, if I if I was if uh, if a creature died from from a sp- a spell that was supposed to exile it, um, and then you put it in the graveyard, uh, we can just put it in exile instead. Mm-hmm. Um, however, we don't have to do a whole backup. Right. We can just move it straight to exile. There's a whole list of those, and, and we can do partial fixes for things that are on that list, but only things that are on that list. And previously, you could only do it if it apply if only one of the things on that list applied to it. Now, uh, if you somehow manage to have an error that falls into two or more of the... Uh, it is or more, right? Mm-hmm. Of the partial fix categories, you can just apply all of them. <laughs> yeah. Um, and at first I was excited because I thought this was going to fix 
uh, a problem with a, a card called Kalidus, but it still doesn't. Because um, <laughs> Kalidus <laughs> has, has a, a, a replacement effect that says if a creature an opponent controls would uh, die, then exile it instead and you get a zombie. Uh, so unfortunately, if, if, uh, if we forget that effect and put the creature in the graveyard, uh, since getting a zombie is part of it, it doesn't actually fall into this partial fix. Uh, and I, because that's still not a partial fix. Right. Exactly. Partially fixable. So that's, that's Uh, a, that's a thing. The, the, the thing that actually went wrong previously had to be wholly contained in one of these partial fixes. Okay. Right. Now the change is if the thing that went wrong is wholly contained within all the partial fixes, then you can you can apply the partial fixes to fix it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Within any any subset of the available right. partial fixes. So uh so uh I'm trying to think of an example of this. Then I, I can't come up with a real one. I can only just invent cards that don't exist. So do, do you have an example of how this would apply? Uh, no, it'd probably be something involving like, uh, uh, exiling, exiling a card, uh, exiling a creature and drawing a card or something like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and then you just do, you put the creature in the graveyard and you don't, uh, you don't exile it and you don't draw a card. Like it's a situation where I can't think of any relevant instances off the top of my head, but I'm glad it's there because someday I feel like I'm going to need it. Yeah, mm. I, I feel like a, a a corner case happened, and someone was talking like the really detailed, like a, almost like a judge was doing like a gotcha type quiz to someone. And right. was like, yeah. I constructed this scenario where the policy says that you can you can't do a partial fix, even though. And then someone went to Toby and was like, "Hey, that sounds dumb," and he went, "Yeah, it does." Fixed. There. Uh, so speaking of things that that sound dumb. Uh, there was a change. Very nice. There was a change to the unified constructed deck list error policy, if that's a real thing. Uh, if you have an event that is team unified constructed, that is, it's team constructed, all of the players on the team are playing the same format, uh, and it's unified, so they can't have any of the same cards uh, between their lists. So if I'm other than basic lands, obviously. So if I'm playing, uh, if I'm playing a scalding tarn, it doesn't matter how many I'm playing. Brian and Brogan, if they're on my team, can't play any scalding tarns. Boo! Uh, like right. scalding tarns. I also like scalding tarns. It's a pretty good card. I like. I think this is the fir- that's the first thing we've all agreed I, on. I tonight. like. <laughs> well, well, here's here's the thing. So so clearly we can't all have scalding tarns. But if we do have all have scalding tarns. Scalding Tarns. It's a, really then it's it's a battle of wits. See, I can't choose the Scalding Tarn in front of you, no. but I clearly can't choose the Scalding Tarn in front of me. No. See, you're obviously a man of great intellect, so that means you've studied. <laughs> and in studying, you must know that man is mortal. <laughs> the Scalding Tarn is mortal. Like, uh, so oh, I'm. I'm just sitting here trying to think of ah yes I've spent years building up an immunity to game losses. Yes, scalding tarns. <laughs> okay, so in that situation, uh, where the, where each of us has that, there was always this weird question of, well, we have a deckless problem, 
But who gets the penalty? Which of these players has actually committed an infraction? And we had this weird kind of hacky workaround answer where you'd start with player C and work your way up everybody's list until you got to the cards and then you'd remove them. And then that player would get a game loss. And, and it was just awkward. Um, now it's very straightforward. The team in question will pick who is changing their list and that player will get a game loss. If yep. that player is in between matches, uh, it'll apply to their next round, even if the rest so, of their team isn't done yet. So, strate- so what this means is they could actually strategically change the decide who's going to get the game loss based on who it impacts the least. Mm-hmm. Yes, but but you're changing <laughs> someone's deck. I think the the longer value is figuring out whose deck can take the can take the loss of scalding tarn the most as opposed to maybe who gives you the the highest win percentage in this one match right right there is some strategery involved yeah. but i don't think it's going to be so, hyper abusable right. so the, the the important thing from a from a judge standpoint is a they get to pick and and B, don't let them take forever discussing this. This needs to be done. This needs to be handled quickly. So you are within your right to be like, hey, I need an answer. I, we, need, we need to resolve this now. Uh-huh. You know, uh-huh. give, give them a little bit of time to talk about it because they, let's be reasonable here. But at the same time, it's not going to be like, like if they start drawing like flow charts and stuff like that, uh, no. They start doing, doing a lot of math on... Yes. On if their if, chances and statistics. You bring up flowcharts, and I just want to be like, if I'm ever in a judge call that Brian Perlman is taking, uh, I'm, <laughs> whether I pull whether, out all the flowcharts, yeah, whether I'm the judge that's like helping him, or if I'm just a player, even if I'm a player next to it, I'm going to be like, no, judge, this is how it is. Hold on, let me show you. I'm going to pull out a pen and start drawing a flowchart. Hold on. It See needs to be on the back of the match slip, too. Just for extra, <laughs> oh, extra kick. Dagger town. Just flip it over and just start drawing. Hey, hey, hey. That's not for you. Alright. Um, we also got a new opportunity to to back up errors, right? Uh, yes. Well, sort of. Um, sort of. Well, one that I didn't... I legitimately didn't know didn't exist and I'm glad that it does. So basically if a player clearly acts on erroneous information provided by a judge during the game, so a judge gives you a bad ruling and you make decisions based on that, uh, the head judge may consider a backup to the point of the action taken, even if that action did not lead to a violation. Because philosophically with, with I, I, it makes perfect sense. If we give you, wrong information about how the game works, we should be able to fix that. Right. So if we tell you that, I, I think maybe, maybe an example would be, because a lot of cards got eroded recently. So if we tell you that a card can't target a planeswalker, okay, and it's been changed to any target. Um, and we, we, and, we and, give you a ruling and then walk away from the table right. and realize we were wrong. Right. And then we go back and we realize that you cast the spell, you know, so you wanted to you wanted to deal damage to a, a planeswalker, but the judge said, no, it's only creature or player. And so you then cast it on a creature, fine. And we realize that error. Okay, there was no violation there. Everything happened. That spell was legally allowed to be cast on the creature. Okay. But 
In this particular case, the head judge may consider the backup to the point of the action taken, which is the casting of the spell. Even though even though everything's right in the game, uh, the head judge can consider it. Now, again, this is still using the same rules as, as a backup. If too much has happened, too much information has been passed around, gained, uh, the game's gone too far, backup might not be uh, uh, something. This is... This is not a whole new set of backup rules. All the standard decisions on whether or not you want to back something up should still be taken into consideration. Yeah, uh, that's basically what I was going to say. This this doesn't say you should back up a whole lot farther than you normally would because there was a mistake, uh, which I think a lot of people might be prone to do. Uh, right. This this you know just says so. Technically, you're not allowed to back up a game. Uh, unless the IPG tells you you're allowed to back up a game. And prior to this, it didn't tell you you could back up the game unless there was an attraction involved. So, yep. uh, speaking of speaking of, of backing things up, though, we can go into the Going thing back. the thing I was about to talk about, um, which also relates to backing things up. Uh, there was a policy change to the Magic Tournament rules. Uh, now. Again, this isn't something that, that really felt like a change to me. Um, no. it, it's functionally the same way I've been running tournaments. So, so I don't, I feel like this is clarification on how things should be run. Now, I don't know if everybody was doing it this way, but this is how I had learned to run tournaments and, and how I think they should be run. So this is on something called reversing decisions, or as Brian calls it, takes these backseats. Yes. Uh, Taxi backsies. Taxi backsies. You know the technical term. Yes. Taxi's backsies. Taxi backsies. <laughs> no taxi backsies. Uh, well, maybe a little bit of taxi backsies. Tiny window for it. Uh, so sometimes, and I'm just going to read this, uh, which comes from the MTR. Sometimes a player will realize that they have made a uh, wrong decision after making a play. That sounds so weird. They have made a wrong decision. Sounds like weird phrasing. Anyway, if that player has not gained any information since taking the action and they wish to make a different decision, a judge may allow that player to change their mind. That's weird. Uh, The judges must carefully consider whether the player has gained information since making the play that might have affected the decision. In particular, players may not try to use opponent reactions or the lack thereof to see if they should modify actions they committed to. Uh, If the judge cannot be sure no information was gained, they should not allow the decision to be changed. And I want to highlight that sentence. That does not say uh, you should you should uh, allow the decision to be changed unless you can be sure information was gained. It says the opposite. If you can't be sure that no information was gained, you should not allow it back up. So, so basically the default is no backup. No yeah. takesy backups. Yes. So an example of where this might come up is, is uh, you know, I'm, I'm – uh, 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 I'm I'm using you know a fetch land, and I'm I'm uh, going through my deck, and I put an island on the table, and then I go, oh wait, no, and I pick it up, and I I wanted this swamp instead, and, and you call a judge, uh, unless unless there was some reason that that uh, I might believe you've gained information there, which is unlikely. Uh, I I'm just going to be like, no, you can get whatever land you want, it's fine. Um, I also. Thi- think this gives you a lot of wiggle room in where where like if i move my creatures closer to your creatures to block mm-hmm. if i just like move my things forward 
and then I start like moving them around a lot. Sometimes some some opponents get weird about that. They're like, "Oh no, she she moved her her creatures up to block mine. She was clearly blocking." Mm-hmm. And so this gives also a little bit more more wiggle room mm-hmm. to say, you know, no. Yeah, that's <laughs> she, she's still deciding. That's something you've got to be very careful with because the knowledge of whether or not there's a combat trick can be communicated there. Uh, so you've got to ask some clarifying questions in that situation. But I think that you're absolutely right. In, the, in a situation where you're just moving creatures around, it's not clear that you're blocking. Um, and I might ask some questions about precedence and what has been done before there. But 100% right. I agree with you. Um, you know, so, so like, uh, you know, if a player... You, you even allow for changing your mind quickly. Like, so if I were to say, uh, you know, oh, no blocks. Wait, no, actually, I'll block with this guy. Um, just that fast, just like that. Uh, I'm very likely the judge should allow you to block there. And there shouldn't be like, well, no, they said no blocks. They're, 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 held, they're held to no blocks. Right. Now, if just if just said something like no blocks and then looked up at the player that was attacking and was kind of like waiting for a reaction. And then when they didn't get one, they looked down at the board and was like, Oh wait, now, no, now I want to block that person gained him. That person gained That's information. A beast. Right. Yeah. And well, gained information doesn't even necessarily need to be uh verbal communication. You know, um, if, if there was a window. Yeah. So like, let's say for example, uh, I say, uh, Good combat, and I see my opponent pick up their pen like they're going to write light, write damage down, and I go, "Oh wait, I wanted to do something in my main phase." Uh, mm-hmm. As a judge, as me as a judge, I'd be like, "No, you can't go back to your main phase and cast ball lightning because you think your opponent has no tricks." Like, yep, that's that's right. that's not where I'd be at there, um, because it, mm-hmm. even even if the message that's communicated is is incorrect, they've gained some amount of information. Even if it didn't mean anything. And and even if you just said, like, combat, and the other was, like, and then, like, looked at the other person and waited for them to take an action, and, you know, even even no reaction, just looking at you, you know, like, go, you know, right. kind of like, okay, I can't do anything, go ahead. That doesn't even have to be mm-hmm. verbal. Having right. an, an expectant that's, look. Right. That's, so, so doing nothing, like doing something can be gaining information. Mm-hmm. Doing nothing can also gain, gain you information. So. The, the gist of this really is, we, you know, we want players to play at a, at a quick pace, but we don't want those players to be punished by the fact that they were playing at a quick pace. Uh, that's really all this is about. And I, I, th- I think Jess made a, really emphasized it in in, in in an important way in the in that last sentence that you're you're not going to default to oh yeah that's fine mm-hmm. you really need to be sure that no. there was no information no. that could have been gained here. another thing is that this is just uh this is when there's a judge call involved if i see players let their opponent take something back i'm probably if if i'm just like oh Crap! I meant to play this other thing, and they go, "Yeah, that's fine." I'm not. I'm probably not going to step in. Or care? Mm-hmm. Uh, I say probably because I can't imagine every scenario here. But like, I can't imagine a scenario where I step in and care there. 
Now you're still you're still you as players are still expected to to you know think about your actions before you take them. This doesn't this doesn't suddenly mean that right. you don't have to put some thought. We still we still expect you to you know think about what you're doing before you do it. But if you you know say you know go wait no I wanted to play this land then okay sure fine. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I, that's it. I think we've covered the changes to the changes to magic. We've covered the announcements that said that magic will change as much as we know about. Um, was there anything else that either of you wanted to cover or talk about in this episode of changes? Changes. No, I'm feeling good. There's just been a lot going on. And I'm glad we were able to at least hopefully shine some light on some of it, even though I know a lot of it is we don't fully know yet, hmm. but it's something. Um, well, in that case, I, I want to thank both of my wonderful co-hosts for coming on the show, uh, as always. And I want to thank all of our listeners for listening to the show and, you know, invite you to come back. Uh, next time and listen again, uh, you can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, and it will be uh, secretly and immediately downloaded whenever we put up a new episode. Not actually secretly. <laughs> uh, you can also follow Secret. us on Twitter at twitter.com slash judgecast. You could uh, actually, I don't know if that works. It's at judgecast on Twitter. Uh, you can find us on uh, Facebook at facebook.com slash judgecast. I do know that one works. And uh, you can find our entire archive of episodes at judgecast.com as well as a learn to judge section if you're just getting started uh, or want to learn more about the magic rules. Uh, that being said, I, I just want to thank you again for listening and say that I'm Jess Dunks, and I keep it fair. I'm Brogan King, and I keep it fun. I'm Brian Prillman, and I keep my scalding tarns. Jess, you're going to have to change your list. Uh-uh. <laughs>